This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. Uh, we are here at Toyota Center after a huge win by the Houston Rockets, a must win, a 126 to 121 overtime win in game three against the Golden State Warriors. I am here with MK Bauer. Uh, you know him on Twitter at Moiskapenda of Field Level Media. Um, brilliant follow, uh, one of my favorites, and I have the pleasure of sitting next to him at every home game. Uh, MK, thanks for doing this with me, first of all. And uh, this was an this was a, a thrilling game, a game down the stretch that we loved watching. You know, I hate to be cliche or reductive when talking about basketball and, and the whole notion of play harder sounds like that sometimes, but I thought the Rockets just played harder tonight. I thought when they fell behind early in the first quarter, they just ratted it up defensively and played hard for the remaining of that half. The things got a little bit dicey there in the fourth quarter when Kevin Durant went nuclear on them when they Absolutely. offered them in. They just dug in again and found a way to at least get the game in overtime. It wasn't really good offense on the stretch. You and I talked about that during the game. They went the final five-plus minutes of the fourth quarter without scoring a basket, but they played hard in spots. Then in overtime, you know, P.J. Tucker was just a man on the boards tonight, a grown-ass man going after rebounds, and I thought that really helped carry them in spots where things weren't flowing all that well. It's simple, and I I know, again, I kind of push back against that a lot of times, hearing people kind of boil it down to play harder. They played harder, and I think that helped them win this game and stay alive in this series. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Certainly, they. I, I can't think. I don't think there was a single interview after the game tonight that didn't mention 50-50 balls. Mm-hmm. You know, and because the Rockets have not gotten to them in the first two games of the series, uh, it was a big factor tonight, um, which is, you know, interesting. I thought there were uh, lots of different things to talk about in this game. Um, first, probably that jumps out to me was uh, Eric Gordon. I mean, he had a a huge night. I mean, the Rockets needed every single one of those threes that he hit. Uh, seven of 14 from uh, three-point range, 30 points. Uh, I mean, you know, last year he struggled, I think, in the playoffs. He's been outstanding in both series so far. He kept them afloat early when Harden was slow to get going. Um, Chris Paul seems like he was being really deliberate in picking and choosing his spots. And they got a lot from Clint Capella early, and that yeah. helped too. But I thought Gordon really kept them alive and kept them in the game through the first half until really Harden kind of caught up his win a little bit down the stretch of the second quarter. But Gordon had 20 points at halftime, and he was brilliant. I thought he played really hard defensively again as well. That's the challenging thing for him sometimes. I think he, he invests himself sometimes playing really good defense, and a shot isn't there. I thought he had both of them tonight, and he made big shot after big shot early, and then a couple late when the Rockets needed them. Look, I don't know how you feel about the way Chris Paul is playing, um, it's tough. The numbers tough. are there: seventeen and a half points, yeah. five rebounds, five assists coming into tonight. Fourteen, nine, and seven with the steal tonight. 
but it doesn't seem like he's really having a great impact yeah, on this series, charging. considering how much he was, how important he was last series, last year in the postseason, and then him going down really opened the door for Golden State to win that series. It seems like, I don't know if he's a step slow, a step cautious offensively. What's not there? I can't really identify it quite yet, but I don't think he's been great this series. I think Gordon's been terrific, and he was terrific tonight, and Harden was terrific in the second half, and they needed those two guys to be great, and they were. And it's amazing to me how we've kind of both wrestled with how Eric Gordon kind of come in and out. But when he's engaged, he's a, he's a difference maker. And I think he's been a difference maker for this team throughout the postseason. Yeah, uh, and as mentioned, uh, it was absolutely huge tonight. Uh, I think um, uh, Durant praised him. Uh, I think even Steph Curry might, might have mentioned him tonight. Uh, and, of course, uh, D'Antoni raved about him. You know, you talked about P.J. Tucker, and it's it's – it's interesting to me because PJ is essentially on most nights a zero offensively. Um, you know, he, if he's not hitting the corner threes, he's fairly useless. And I think we saw that early on, where mm-hmm. like a cu- couple of times he'd cut to the basket, and he was putting up four, five, six foot hook shots. And you're like, what is what this? What is that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right? he, he yeah. really has almost no game there, uh, and ended up having just uh, a really stellar night. I mean, uh, def- I mean. Nobody's stopping Durant. I thought he made it a lot more difficult on him in the fourth quarter, but he had those big offensive rebounds, five overall tonight, 12 rebounds total, uh, just seven points, but some of those points were huge, including that three-point play down the stretch. Um, And, you know, he had foul trouble. He's been in foul trouble, I believe, in every game in this series. Um, I thought D'Antoni should have come back with him at the start of the fourth, but, you know, there was a risk there. But as you mentioned, right out of the gate in the podcast, Durant just lit them up, hit four quick shots to start the fourth quarter, and I I think it turned a seven-point game into a one-point Warrior lead. And the Rockets looked like they were up against the ropes. They were in trouble. And I thought Tucker uh, came in and set the tone defensively from there. I guess there are two ways to look at it, and I think a lot of people kind of echo your sentiment that Tucker should have been in to start the fourth quarter and maybe Durant doesn't drop bombs to open that period yeah. on a Rockets defense. But in the same vein, if he's playing that early stretch, maybe he's not in the game um, to start overtime. And I thought he was really big in overtime for them on the glass. Look, it's a risk. You're rolling the dice out there when certain guys aren't giving you anything off your bench. Gerald Green, um, Iman Sharper was good tonight. Um, yeah, Renee was pretty good tonight. But otherwise, you know, Daniel House wasn't available. Um, you're not playing Kenneth Fareed. You got to pick and choose your moments of when your starter's going to be out there, and you got to hope to hold on. And they held on, barely. It was a thread, but they held on and got a timeout maybe after Golden State went up 94 93 on that last basket by Durant, that three pointer. Um, and they held on. And they were not playing very well offensively down the stretch of the fourth quarter. They had enough defense to mix in. And again, I think Tucker, and you and I discussed this in the last series. He's the leader of what they do defensively. I realize there are a lot of guys, you know, chefs stirring the pot with this group. But when, when the Rockets are plus 20 tonight on the glass, after giving up 26 offensive rebounds in the first two games of the series, they only gave up seven tonight. They had 17 offensive rebounds on their own. Um, that's Tucker. Their defense in spots tonight was very, very good. To your point about at least making Durant work a little bit and not look like a layup line or he's out at the Rucker scoring baskets, that's Tucker. <laughs> he has to be that guy at the forefront of the play hard all-stars. And, and it was funny, Durant mentioned that tonight. Someone asked a long-winded question about you know the things that Tucker gave the Rockets tonight. And Durant was like, he's always been like that. That's always been his game in this league as a guy who's going to come out there and play his behind off 
every time he's on the floor. And sometimes you visually have to see that. Sometimes the other players on the team have to feed into that and buy into what they're seeing as another guy is just going to go out there and just dig down and do all the nasty stuff that it takes to get done. And I thought as great as Durant was tonight, there were moments where at least Tucker fought him. Got a strip here or there, made Tucker, made Durant kind of smirk at the play because at that point he was rolling along. It, it takes that. It, it takes one guy to willing to stand up for like talk about three hundred here, like as Leonidas stand up against Xerxes. <laughs> but as good as Durant was, like you needed one guy to come up there, but like yeah. you know what, I'm going to fight. And I thought Tucker fought that that fight tonight defensively on the glass. And to me, their rebounding effort was indicative of how hard they played, and that was a huge turnaround for Roy. Things went in the first two games of the series. You know they have a. Uh, I mean Tucker is a, is probably one of the best options. They. I mean you know the the Rockets have a decent option to throw at Durant. Nobody in this league stopping him. I mean he's just a, a freak and that he just shoots right over you. He's so skilled. I mean where Giannis is a freak, he just powers through you. Uh, Durant has unlimited range. He can shoot over anybody. He, he had that. He had that one play where he kind of stepped over through Tucker and still yes. finished with a dunk. And that was in that stretch where Tucker was playing really good defensively, and you still saw it there that if he wants to get a basket, he's going to get a basket if anybody who's guarding. Yeah, he's that good. Uh, I think the Rockets are in serious trouble if Tucker continues to be in foul trouble yeah. because when he goes out, I mean, the drop-off seems significant. It feels like he's just, you know, Durant's just looking at the lineup like mouse in the house. Capella can't stay with him. Uh, Rivers is about the best they're throwing at him now. Harden has played him at times. Uh, that's that's trouble. When Tucker picks up that, I mean, he's been in foul trouble, like I said, every game in the series. Picks up his third foul before the half, fourth pretty pretty early on in the third quarter. Um, and that hurt them. I mean, Durant started to go nuclear uh, even before that fourth. He was he had a huge third quarter yeah. and then went into the fourth. But, uh, you know, before we talk about Harden, I want to talk about Steph Curry. Um, Steph Curry was 0 for 6 in the fourth and OT combined for zero points. Played almost 13 minutes in those two periods. Um, really did not have a good game, and you know everyone's going to be laughing about the uh, huge miss dunk. I mean, this game was, it was funny. not over. <laughs> it was it funny. Yeah. It was funny. It wasn't like he was just going for a dunk to you know to to tighten the score. That would have made it a three point game. Yeah, three point game with 16, 18 seconds left, I believe, and it would have become a, a foul shooting game at that point. And Rockets were not having a great night from the free throw line. So um, I, t- the way I look at it is uh, that was a huge blunder. I mean, I, their odds weren't great to win, but they had a chance still. Um, and he had missed a layup earlier in overtime as well. I, I thought he had a really poor game. So I do think that in particular is, um, is going to come back around. I think that, that they're going to, um, you know, guys like uh, Clay and, and Steph are going to have better games. Um, but I thought, you know, the Rockets didn't force very many turnovers. The Rockets did win the Battle of the Boards, as you mentioned, which has, has been a struggle in the series and really all season. Um, and I think the Rockets will end up forcing more turnovers, but you know Clay and Steph are going to rebound, I would think. It's weird. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to wonder where the truth lies. Like, Clay, the Splash Brothers are shooting 28.8% this series from three point range. How much of that is the Rockets defensively, and how much of that is them just missing shots? Or what's the blend between those two? Um, the Rockets, oddly enough, have outshot the Warriors throughout the course of the series. They entered with the advantage and effective field goal percentage coming to the night. They had it against tonight, 58.1 to 51.2. They've done what they wanted to do shooting-wise through the course of the series. Can they maintain that? And the spells and stretches of defense we've seen have kind of been hit or miss for both teams. And I don't know how well the Rockets can keep maintaining this edge defensively, particularly against Clay and Steph. 
are those guys at some point going to start making shots and bad things going to happen for the Rockets defensively? I don't know. Like, it, it's weird. We've watched three games of this, and those guys have not played very well. KD's been terrific. Draymond, I thought, was exceptional tonight. And Andre Iguodala's been very, very good. That's been enough for them thus far. But at some point, you're thinking those two guys are going to ring the bell, or at least one of them is going to have a breakout game. But to your point about Steph specifically, man, his energy level was just not very good tonight. And, you know, these guys talk about his left, his hand. That's his left hand. He's a right-handed shooter. I'm not trying to hear that nonsense. Like, he has to play better for them to at least provide some sort of help for what KD's doing. KD can carry a team. Obviously, we've seen that. But what makes them them is they have four all-stars and they have two legendary shooters and one of the best scorers all time in this league. If it's going to be on KD and Durant to carry the load, the Rockets have a much better chance of winning the series. You know, we've talked about this before because this is the fourth time the Rockets have played the Warriors in five years. And... You know, we've at least I've said this. I can't remember if if you have as well. You know, of these four All Stars, if I was to take one off the team for the Rockets to have a chance to win, it would be Draymond Green. Yeah. I mean, it's because he does so much. He he does. I've never. Well, I mean, I obviously my feelings aside of what he's able to get away with. I think he moves on screens. I think he's very very physical. I think being undersized as a big allows him to get away with you know playing bigger guys and smaller guys. But I think. you know, he, his his ability to, sh- to take out Clint Capella on the lobs is uncanny. I mean, we took it took Gobert half the series to figure some of that stuff out, and they had a, a full team concept. For, for him, for Draymond, he literally is able to take the drives and switch back to the lobs in the same play, be that one guy to do it, because Harden can consistently beat his guy. It's, tif- it's difficult when he's facing uh, Iguodala or facing Clay, but he's able to get to the lane. It's he's it's he has a very difficult time scoring over Draymond, and he has a very difficult time getting Draymond to bite one way or the other for that for that alley oop lob pass. And Capella, as great as he was in the first half, ten of his uh, thirteen points in the first half, nine of his eleven rebounds. Uh, you know he was a negative one in the first half. Not a, of a uh, the Rockets had a nine point lead at halftime. He was a negative one on the floor. Uh, overall for the game, I believe he was a negative eight, and he's been a negative nineteen, a negative seventeen in the first two games of this series. Um, you know, yeah, he was improved tonight, but that's to me the biggest problem. Now, granted, you don't want to take plus minus in, 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 of just a, a one line guy and say that's strictly their fault. They're playing with different lineups, they're facing different lineups, but that's been a problem. The Rockets are going to be more effective when they go small, it seems. Um, and I don't want to get ahead of myself in the off season. But I feel like I worry a little bit about Clint Capella because he's been so great this year and against other teams. If the Warriors remain the same and the Rockets are obsessed, quote-unquote, with beating the Warriors, Capella's got to make himself a, a valuable piece to beating the Warriors. I'll say this, though, and, and I'm hesitant to make this comparison, but I think there's a short list of players in this league who are devalued because of public opinion of them as people. And we talk a lot about that with Harden. We talk about that disagreeing so on Russell Westbrook. I think Draymond's on the list, too. Um, when all said and done, he's going to go down as one of the best defensive players ever play in this league. And we were marveling tonight at his ability to kind of go out on the perimeter and check Chris Paul to switch back and challenge Harden at the rim to disrupt everything that, that Clint Capella's doing. I don't want to give him full credit for how poorly Clint Capella has played at stretches in stretches. But Draymond is that good. Yeah. And I think his ability, it was one particular play I kind of watched Harden beat maybe Iggy off the bounce, and Draymond went it to the last second to commit one way or the other and made Harden make the pass too soon, and he deflected the pass to, to, to Capella out of bounds. And I'm thinking this guy's ability 
to anticipate what's going to happen next, get his body to move quickly enough to do what needs to be done, and do it without fouling sometimes. <laughs> it, it's amazing to me. And, and, I, I, and people dislike him, and I get it. He does a lot of things on the court, runs his mouth, complains, gets away with way too much talking that should be technical fouls. I see all that. I understand it. That doesn't take away from how incredible he is defensively. And to your point to start all this, he's the fulcrum of what they are. Like, Clay and Steph are legendary shooters. Durant is incredible. They are a unique team because they can play small and have that six foot seven dude play center against a lot of bigger guys and have him play against guys on the perimeter. And he does both with great effectiveness. He's adroit at that skill. And it, it blows me away, and I just hate the fact that we've gotten so wrapped up in his antics that we lose sight of that. And this kind of gets back to the Harden thing. Like, we've gotten so wrapped up in the flopping, and then this, we lose sight of how great he is. I think the same thing applies for Draymond Green. He's been a terrific player for a long time. And you see that in spurts tonight in his series, how good he is defensively, and it's mind-blowing if you really focus on it. You know, not to talk about Durant uh, too much again, but I, I, does it strike you as I mean, to me, I was watching the game t- uh, tonight, and I was just kind of marveling at the fact that this was a 73-win team. Granted, this is three years after the fact. We're in the third season since then. But their identity has become Kevin Durant. I mean, their offense, their, their, their leader, not, not necessarily their playmaker, I mean, their, their um, you know, assist guy or anything of that nature, but I'm saying their offensive identity is led by Kevin Durant. I mean, he's the best player on that team, in my opinion. Curry, I, you could have argued, I think, uh, uh, was. But I mean, it's just it's fascinating to me that they had this total identity built on these three core guys, and Durant has sort of taken over he can get a bucket when he wants a bucket yeah and, and that's a really short list of guys in this league that no matter who you put on them he can still get a bucket I, who, who can guard him like Kawhi, i guess is the best individual defensive player in this league i think most people agree with that we haven't seen a ton of Kawhi on durant lately because Kawhi was hurt last season and he's been with toronto this season my memory doesn't serve me very well going back in the one-on-one matchups when durant wants to get a bucket he's going to get a bucket because he's skilled He's tall, he can shoot, he can score off the bounce. And there's really nothing you can do schematically to stop him from doing those sort of things. And as incredible as Curry is, there are limitations there physically with him that don't exist with Durant. And I agree wholeheartedly. That was a great t- a championship team before he got there. Adding him is cheat code. It's unfair because of what he is <laughs> as a player. Correct. And adding that guy to that mix. And, and really, and we'll kind of get to, to Harden. I kind of want to segue into Harden here. Like, what everybody's trying to do against them is a noble effort because, really, they're cheating by adding Kevin Durant yeah. to a team that already won a championship. Harrison Barnes. Yeah, it's, but it's, <laughs> it's dumb. It's stupid what we we're seeing and what we're witnessing, and he's incredible. And the only thing that it takes to beat them is Herculean efforts. And I will say this about Harden. I don't want to come off as a, as a Harden fanboy here, and I know there's a lot of that in this market, and I get it because he's great. Day. The fact that he can even score against this group blows me away. They're throwing Iggy, Draymond, Clay, and KD at him on different occasions. Those guys are all plus defenders. Not one weak link in the bunch. And he has to face those guys again and again and again. Every trip down the court for six, seven games. Every The fact that he's even scored against them reasonably well. It, tonight, it hit me tonight like, Really? Like, we're criticizing this guy for shooting 32%. Do you realize how good these defensive players are? Yeah. And they're just cycling them through against him again. Not a weak link in the bunch. The fact that he had 41 tonight, played very, very well after a slow start. The fact that he's been able to hold his own against that group, it's it's amazing to me. And he doesn't get enough credit. And I understand that people don't like him. And I get the bigger picture about all this. Dude, 
Iggy, Draymond, Clay, and KD are all incredible defensive players. And Harden has fought those guys tooth and nail for years now. And he continues to go at it. And I could not be more impressed with his effort tonight. Yeah, it deserves a lot of credit. And, and it leads right into to the, what I wanted to talk to you about. And that's Harden, as you mentioned, 2 for 9 to start the game. Uh, 0 for 4 from 3. Turned it around from there. I believe he was 12 for 23 the rest of the way. Uh, hit 5 of 9 from 3-point range, including the dagger. Uh, three-point range that in you don't want to call a dagger yeah. at that point. didn't want to call a dagger at the time. I saw the I met Tom coming to you like the Rockets tweeted out that that was a dagger with 40-some-odd seconds left. I'm like, no, 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 don't be doing that stuff. Um, but, uh, um, you know, ended up having a very uh, good game overall. And you make a great point that I got to be honest, I hadn't really considered. I mean, this is a very, very tough matchup. I do feel, however, there were stretches of this game where I thought he was a problem. Like, I thought he was really slowing down the offense. Um, th there were several possessions where they didn't get either sh they didn't get a shot off, they turned it over, or just set up a really, really poor shot because they got he, his action got started so late in the shot clock. I thought that, to me, doesn't happen when he's out of the game. Now, you don't have near the talent level when he's, in, uh, when he's out of the game than you do when he's in, but... That's been a struggle of his. I mean, we know he's an isolation player. We know he can create off the dribble. And obviously, it's not easy to break these guys down in the first five, ten seconds of the shot clock. At the same time, it seems to be a consistent problem. I think that's his lasting weakness as a player. And maybe that's going to always be there. I think sometimes his decision-making isn't where it needs to be. And that last five minutes of the fourth quarter was an eyesore. It was awful to watch. It was ball-stopping, him holding the ball way too long in a possession, and trying to get up shots against Iggy one on one, and sometimes oh. Iggy's just there waiting on him. It's it's there, like that's that's the part of his game that he still hasn't quite fixed completely. And maybe I mean they're they're human. Like none of these guys are perfect NBA players, and maybe that's always going to be James's weakness, like his ability to d determine when to go, how to go, and who to go against. Sometimes just faulty, and, and tonight we saw it. And again, we're talking about next level defensive players. But you're absolutely right. I thought some of his decision making in the second half of the fourth quarter was very, very poor and enabled Golden State to get back into that game or at least stretch the game out down the stretch because he wasn't doing the right things offensively. And really that last possession by Chris Paul wasn't very good either, dribbling right into the teeth of the defense with Klay Thompson on him, spinning and having another help defender come. I thought the decision making late was poor. They survived. And really at this point, that's what you got to do. And then you got some fourth quarter hard made better decisions and got some early thrusts. Like I don't know how they determine when to go in the shot clock. And I think you and I for years have been like, faster, faster, faster. It seems like it would make more sense. But sometimes when it goes that slow, it just it seems to be to their detriment. So big win by the Rockets. I, you know, and before we close the podcast, I have to ask you, because we haven't talked about games one and two on a pod at all. And, you know, game one, I mean, the game two was a you know, hard-fought match. Warriors won it. Game one was controversial. And um, you and I probably have different opinions on it. And obviously, I'm coming more from a Rockets fan perspective. Uh, I thought it was ludicrous both what happened in the game and how it was spun afterwards. I think the Rockets themselves, and, I, and by Rockets I'm talking about the the uh, franchise, not not the players, um, did themselves a disservice by leaking out that report. Um, and I think that's when uh, you know public sentiment turned on them. But I thought Harden in the first half of Game One was absolutely robbed. I think they just just, just sort of decided as a group to not call. Um, that play, which I think is a dangerous play. Um, I think I've, I've watched every Harden game this year. There have been times when they didn't call somebody getting cutting, undercutting him on a three. I've never seen it three times in succession like that, not called. 
Um, and I, I guess I was just disgusted how media started to spin this into, let's just focus on the final one where he kicked his legs out and start to say Harden, James Harden does this uh, universally and that's what he was doing in the first half and blah, blah, blah. The, the thing turned into the Rockets are cheaters, they manipulate the game rather than they were robbed in the first half. I think this is a complicated issue for somebody who's completely objective. Okay. Um, clearly, it was a poorly officiated game. I think more of the poor officiating benefited the Warriors in that game. I think Hard and Chris Paul do themselves a disservice. Hard with that last play. Chris Paul, I think the play got a technical on where he basically spun his hips into the defensive player who had verticality, made the shot, and wanted the basket, wanted yeah. to fall on top of the Sean basket. Sean Livingston was jumping, yeah. yeah. That was clearly Chris initiating the contact, and it was a bogus attempt by him to initiate contact, and then he was doubly wrong by complaining about it after the fact and getting technical. It's not as cut and dry as I think even May, I made it seem seem like on, on Twitter that night saying stop all the whining. I think fundamentally, Dave, I'm a big control what you can control kind of guy. And that's for the league and the, the, the organization that took us after the fact. I think the constant wailing and gnashing of teeth about it in the post-game press conference does us serve the Rock as well, particularly given their reputation that you just addressed. Harden's a flopper. Chris Paul has been a dirty player for low-key for many, many years. When you have those sort of reputations and you mix them with what happened in game one and then after the fact, it becomes a convoluted mess. Um, I'm of the opinion that they should just play through it. Say what they have to say to their coaching staff, to the organization, have the organization deal with it, have Mike D'Antoni take that bullet for them in the post-game press conference, and that's where it ends. I think belaboring it doesn't serve them well, particularly given, again, their reputations as individual players and as a team. But the league should be embarrassed that you're having a rule established, basically set by Golden State, yeah. a, a dirty play against Kawhi Leonard a couple years ago, yeah. and you don't follow through with it in a nasty televised game, in a series that everybody's looking forward to, and the opener of that series, and you're letting Klay Thompson really kind of push the boundaries of a fair play in that game. I get why people were mad. I don't understand why the Rockets kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it as an issue, because to your point, at certain stage, it becomes against them in terms of how people are perceiving it based on past reputations. So maybe I was hasty in saying, stop all the crying, but at the same time, there's only certain things you can kind of control. And you, I thought tonight their early focus was about the fouls, and they moved beyond it very quickly, and I thought played a much better game from that point moving forward. And I think that's what they have to do the rest of the series. I don't know if the Golden State Warriors are the darlings of this league. I do know they get a lot of calls in their favor, more so than maybe other teams. The Rockets have to look beyond that and just play the, play the game. Yeah, you know, I, the, the issue, I thought, um, created a lot of questions, a lot of things being discussed. I thought it was... Um, uh, I think both of these teams, the Rockets um, and the Warriors, are sort of a lightning rod for critics and and for one you know, reason or another. Yeah. You're exactly right, and because obviously we saw, you know, Giannis, I believe yesterday, shot 22 free throws. Kyrie came out, complained it wasn't near as big of a deal as as the Rockets Warriors. Uh, this I thought it raised the question of playoff fouls and regular season fouls mm -hmm. and how the, you know the officials call it and you know the officiating was coming out saying we don't call it any differently and most people say hey that's not mm -hmm. necessarily true. But what did you make of, just in general, the, the Rockets' report of data that came from the NBA? Now, granted, that they interpreted it to points, right? They translated it to points that they believed were, were lost or won. And, and there was some stuff in there like, hey, if you had called this foul, then the ball wouldn't have tipped back out to a guy for a three-pointer. And they, you know, they hit a three rather than us having fouled. 
Draymond for 1.6 points at the free throw line. Instead, Kevin Durant hits a three. Something along those lines. Granted, some of that math was a little bit wonky, but but overall, you know, six of the seven games, something like 80, 90 points um, being lost. Do you think there's something to the fact that overall the the Warriors get more calls than the Rockets, or is that just uh, luck of the draw? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> I think there is something to it, but you made the salient point earlier that has to stay in house. Like the Rockets can't leak that or have that yeah. leaked to the public because then it makes them look like crybabies after the fact. Um, I think we all see what we see with our own eyes. And it's difficult sometimes to address bias because these things are nefarious and they, they kind of they, 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 they seep their way into your mindset and you start to see things that may not necessarily always be there. But I think it's pretty clear the Warriors get advantages here and there in key spots in certain games. How much those advantages play out, it's hard to determine how much you become influenced by what you've seen as maybe two spots becoming six or seven and three of those aren't really real. It's, it's, it's muddy. It's, it's, it's a muddy water. It's very, it's very murky. I don't think the league has a general interest in seeing one particular team win. And I don't think that trickles down to how the game is officiated. I do think the officials can be influenced by teams, by coaches, by players, by organizations over the course of time. And I think the Warriors have done a very effective job of complaining to the point of affecting the way the games are called in their favor. The Rockets could probably stand a learning trick or two in terms of how they do that. I thought what they tried to do last year with this report was part of that. It can't be leaked because once it's leaked, it changes again. Like we were talking about game one, it changes the way the game is perceived because now you have a team that has a reputation for crying, crying publicly about something, a series they lost that probably turned more so on Chris Paul getting hurt than any of the officiating blunders that may have happened in that series. Uh, interesting points. You know, I... And this, this is just my theory. I mean, you know, people talk about, oh, the, the league wants the Warriors to win and all this stuff. I, I don't believe in that kind of conspiracy theory. It's fun to joke around about, but I don't believe, uh, you know, the league is mandating that this team win or that the, the referees like the Warriors or anything of that nature. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Draymond Green chews out the officials more than anybody. KB, too. But I, I do think the NBA has a problem in that, and again, this is just my theory. I'm not saying it's fact, but, they, but they've created a culture of superstars get favorable calls and... You know, the Rockets have benefited from that in, in a lot of ways. I mean, Chris Paul and James Harden, both superstars. And we see Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni doesn't have the confidence in P.J. Tucker with four yeah. fouls. He's going to pull him out. With James Harden picking up his second or third foul in the first quarter, there, yeah. he'll still leave him in there. Because he, I mean, again, I'm not saying, I'm not reading his mind or he's never said this. But I get that feeling that, A, he trusts Harden, but he also knows Officials are, you know, for, to foul that guy out, it better be some serious blood because it can't be a questionable call. I mean, call. how many times has Harden fouled out in his career? Like, to, to, to underscore your point, exactly. it rarely happens. So, I mean, you're absolutely right here. Yeah, and so, I mean, and the Warriors, I just feel like they have more superstars than anybody. I mean, I, th I personally believe Steph Curry with five fouls is going to be able to get away with a lot more than Steph Curry with two fouls and three fouls. It's just, that's just the nature of the game. I don't think Alfonso McKinney, if he's sliding and bumps into Harden in game one and, and knocks Harden out of bounds, I don't think that's going to be, uh, like, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to swallow their whistles in that instance. Is Steph Curry with five fouls? I think they are because the contact isn't, isn't so egregious. So that's just my, my take on it. I do think overall Warriors are probably going to get a little bit more favorable whistles simply because they have a lot of stars on their team. But again, that's not fact. That's just opinion. That's just how I see it. Uh, you know, I, I really have nothing to, to base that on. But I don't think it's just some sort of grand conspiracy in that they want the Warriors to win. And maybe I'll push back on this, and, and, and your fans and Rockets fans are upset with me, but 
because I don't want to talk about any of this. I just want to enjoy of the course. game. And I of think course. I think we kind of end up delving too much in officiating in all sports and, and baseball. And, and I just want to enjoy the game. And sometimes I, I, maybe I'm one of those guys who just turns a blind eye to it haphazardly to poor officiating or um, imbalanced officiating, refereeing, whatever you want to call it. Because I just want to watch the game and not really get too wrapped up into, oh, I think Draymond fouled him there. Like, and and I th- and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think that's the back. I think that's exactly why there was such backlash. Because yeah. here are the Rockets telling telling us the game is not pure, and we want to all enjoy the game. So how dare you? And 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 I think thought I thought that was why the backlash happened. Again, I may be wrong, but I think you make a great point. We all want to enjoy the game. Nobody wants to talk about the rest. And, and I don't think we really have since, uh, you know, game one. But I thought it raised a valid point, brought back some memories. So you and I both series. know people who talk about the refs the entire <laughs> game, every game. And certainly, so, yeah. certainly, yeah. And sometimes you just kind of want to remove yourself from all that and just watch what's going on on the court and just accept that sometimes there are going to be missed calls here or there for both teams, presumably. And I think when you get into this whole this contest of, of, of scratching off how many bad calls for one team over another, then it becomes pointless and I don't want to deal with that. Absolutely. Well, hey, game four is Monday, and there's not much. You know, we just had this long break to game three and not much of a break before game four. Um, another must win for the Rockets. If they take this game, they're back in the series. Um, they go to Oracle. They need one in Oracle, and that could be the one. Puts a little bit of pressure on the Warriors. Got to take game four on Monday. That's MK Bauer. MK, really appreciate you doing this, and we'll see you on Monday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.